everyone. Yes, I know, I know. It's actually a new episode of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. Yeah, Incredible, isn't it? Uh, this is uh, episode 144, also known as the grossest episode in this podcast. Um, that's a horrible joke, but I'll make it anyway. <laughs> With me this time, we got uh, Neil Ronahan. Hey, everybody. Hello, fearless leader. Yes. Um, I know it's. I don't know how many episodes it's been, but I think it's been like a year since I've recorded one with you. But that's probably like five episodes ago. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad to be back. I always enjoy doing this. It's great fun, especially when I get to pick out the games, which which I had the fortune of doing. But I probably will get them wrong when they show up, <laughs> as often happens. Oh, I think you'll get these, the ones you picked. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, it's been a while. I don't really have a good excuse. Uh, for a while, E3 was the excuse. But, you know, we, we've been trying to coordinate a time for a couple of weeks now to record, yeah. and we're finally doing it. I guess I, I guess maybe I'll use that. Uh, part of the reason why it's been tough to schedule is that I've been doing stuff for, for our Patreon, um, which if, if you're listening to this and you like what we do a lot, uh, you can help support us so that we will continue doing it for a long time and not have to, like rub two nickels together to try to run Make the fire. server. Yes. So when we fire can, runs the servers. Yep, yep, that's exactly how it all works. But yeah, uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash NWR. Um, if we get up to $400, then we'll $400 a month, then we'll hit another stretch goal. But right now, we are, we are past the $300 stretch goal. Uh, so if you want to hear an exclusive podcast that you can only listen Ooh. to if you're a patron... <sighs> I don't um, even get to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, you, you could probably use the, the login information and, and go check it out. But I, I actually recorded the last patron-exclusive podcast with Zach Miller and Donald Terrio last night. So uh, when I get a chance to edit that, then that will be up for all of our 60-plus patrons to see. Excellent. So, yes, check that out. And I'm sure there's a link on the website if you can't yes. remember the URL. Yes, there is. So do check that out uh, if you like these sorts of things, like our E3 coverage. Because it helps us with our E3 coverage. Indeed it does. Well, uh, this is a pretty standard episode. we got a couple of listener requests, a couple of Neil requests, five games. It's the usual drill. Figure out the game based on the music. I figure I should remind you guys since it's been so long. But uh, with that, let's go to the first game. Woo-woo.
I definitely have some ideas, but I don't feel confident about anything. It's okay. We got two more songs. Sounds good. They do sound good. <laughs> Reminds me of some other game, but I'm not going to disclose that right now. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a number of games that both of those songs remind me of, which which lead me to what I think is a pretty solid guess, but maybe this hint question will, will point me closer in the right direction. All right. What collectible can you gather by carefully timing when you touch the end goal for a level?
Okay, Neil, that was a pretty big hint question there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that third song really made me feel dumb for my previous guesses. But um, is that Kirby Planet Robobot? Oh, you are so close, and I would not be surprised oh. if they like reprised uh, that song in, in Kirby Robobot. This is Kirby and the Rainbow Curse for the Wii U. Uh, so okay. it's quite possible that that version of that song uh, appears in there. All right, now, now I feel, I actually, that made me feel less dumb, despite getting it wrong. Uh, because, <laughs> What's your original guess? Um, actually, uh, the, the Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games that came out recently. No, see, that, because, does, that isn't that dumb, because that second song, maybe just like every song now sounds like Sonic Team to me or something. But yeah. That second song sounded like something out of like that, Sonic Team or something. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I felt the same way. And the first song vaguely reminded me of like a Mario Sunshine style song. But yes. I, 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 but so I figured. Like a darker like, version of Isle Delfino or something. Yeah, yeah. And I figured like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, like that could totally be in, in like a Mario and Sonic and like the real Olympics and everything. And then the second song, I was like, oh, that sounds like Sonic Team. So, so yeah, it probably is that. Um, but then, yeah, of course, the third song in the hint question yeah. made me think it was Kirby, and I Rainbow Curse slipped my mind. I figured, because <laughs> I, I was trying to think, it was like, what, what Kirby games haven't been used? Robobo probably hasn't been used yet. No, it hasn't. But, uh, yeah, so instead of playing Robobobobobobot, like everyone else, I've been playing older <laughs> Kirby games I haven't played yet. So everyone was talking about Kirby on all the podcasts and the like, I'm like, uh, I'm playing different Kirby games, and this was one of them. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing Kirby Rainbow Curse. I think I bought it on a modest sale price uh, a little while ago, and I finally, you know, picked it up after finishing uh, Return to Dreamland. Um, I think they passed on this because I got kind of mediocre reviews at the time. I like. I, I'm pretty sure, and actually, for for multiple games here. So th- this is an added hint question. I reviewed some of these games for Nintendo Force Magazine. Another another plug. Uh, I, I I reviewed Kirby and the Rainbow's Curse for that. And I think I gave it like a seven point five or an eight. It was yeah. good, not great. Like that's kind of how it, I felt. It's got about some it. pacing issues, which you know, yeah. I, I I feel like. I picked it up. It's like, oh, this is just like the DS game, or at least my memory of the DS game. It it's difficult because you got to be really careful with how you draw. It's kind of slow. It, you know, you think it'd be really easy, but it's actually quite hard to get Kirby to go where you oh, want yeah. to go. And uh, well, maybe this happens later in the game, but I, I thought the DS game had power ups, like uh, like transformations, like regular Kirby games. I'm not seeing that thus far it, it doesn't. in my playthrough. Yeah, so that's weird. Um, yeah, no, and I, I kind of didn't like it as much. And I think the one thing that stood out to me about Rainbow Curse that it took me a little while to wrap my head around is it's actually one of the rare games, like post-2012, early 2013, that actually makes use of the Wii U's design. Because, you and, have to and, use the touchpad. Well, well one, one, you have to use the touchpad also... It's asynchronous multiplayer. Um, oh, I haven't tried that yet. Yeah, that's right. which, which I actually think if, if you if you have someone to play with, I think that's the optimal way to play that game oh. uh, with with another person. I, I think it's it's more fun that way, and some of the frustrating pacing issues kind of go away a little bit because it's kind of it, it's not like an instant win, but it's very much a, a big help. Like if you're having trouble maneuvering with that, then just throwing in a player that controls a, a waddle do. Um, or, or Waddle Dee or whatever, like then that makes it makes it better. But also like 
you know, the person playing as Kirby has to use the gamepad and everybody else looks at the TV. And it's not as in-depth as something as like Nintendo Land, but it actually uses that concept. And as someone who really liked that concept in Nintendo Land, it was nice to see that it had it had, didn't totally die. Yeah. Um, and then it came back briefly in Star Fox Zero, and now it's probably dead again. People hate on Star Fox Zero. I've already said my piece on that. I, I think it's a good game in spite of some flaws. Yeah. Definitely I, worth playing, especially if you can get it on the good sale. Uh, I paid full price, and I wasn't like upset that I purchased it. So that says something. I one hundred percent agree about about your your take on Star Fox Zero. Um, I there's definitely issues with it, and I think it takes a little while to wrap your head around the controls. Um, but yeah. I think it's worth getting through that. So people like Jonathan Metz that are like put off by the description of the controls, just play the damn game. Yeah. Make your own decision yeah. on whether you like the game. You, you know, it's you know, it's really cool, like how. It's a like basically a VR game. <laughs> it kind of how it controls, and yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's it, not a totally perfect comparison there. But when I was when I was playing that, it, it did kind of remind me. I was like, you know what? I've I've played some VR experiences over the past year or two that kind of remind me of how I have to play this game, and I just found it amusing that Nintendo probably, you know, they. They're probably looking into some of the same things as VR, but keep on saying about how, like, that. no, we don't care. Like, we're talking about Kirby and the yeah. Rainbow Curse, so, of course, it has this very cute uh, claymation art style, which, uh, unfortunately, it's hard to appreciate while you're playing the game. Oh, totally. Uh, especially if you're in the gamepad, because, you know, the smaller screen, it's kind of hard to see the, you know, clay effect yeah. uh, at play there. Um, but... I'm really impressed with the soundtrack, and I shouldn't say I'm surprised because lots of Kirby games have great soundtracks. But this game really, it's its a weird game in that it's like each world is very short. There are only three or four levels in it yeah, per, per, per world or whatever. Very, Kirby, I guess these what levels and stage terminology in Kirby yeah, games, which I, I can never keep straight. I always shut up whenever I read a review, I always try to make sure I use the proper terminology, but it's always it always feels like it's nonsense. Yeah, exactly. It's like the galaxy and world terms in Mario Galaxy that are all like inverted or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, each level is really long. Yeah. It's like it's like a ten minutes to play through a level. Each level has its own unique music, pretty much. Some cases, more than one song. Um, and they're really well done. And then, of course, you unlock songs that are often um, re- other remixes of uh, earlier Kirby games. And they, they sort of feel like the, they're maybe the B-tier ones that they decided not to use in the main <laughs> part of the game. But they're still nice. They're not bad. And, you know, it's always fun to, to do that. And that's, you know, there's a long, long history of that even going back to like Kirby's adventure on the NES of throwing in songs in the sound tests that are like just, you know, Game Boy songs that they didn't use. So, you know, there's, there's some cool stuff in there. Um, so I'm glad I finally played it. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's not great. It's good. So hopefully they'll, you know, reduce the price again at some point. People might check yeah, it out. I think in this uh, this fall of 2016, where there's like a Wii U game due out, this is definitely a game. If you if you missed it, like yeah. totally go back and check it out. And I I just uh, I was curious when we were talking about the music of this game and listening to it to see who the composer was. Mm-hmm. He actually uh, came from it's uh, Shogo Sakai. Uh, yeah. He's been I mean he's been at HAL Labs for a number of years. He's worked on a ton of Kirby games, Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually started out at Data East, 
um, wow. and worked on like the, the the Glory of Heracles games, the ones that never came to America, <laughs> and Bad Dudes. His first, uh, his he moved to HAL Labs in the mid '90s, and his first game that he worked on was Earthbound '64, uh, which Aww. never came out. And then since then, yeah, it's been Smash Brothers and Kirby pretty much yeah. for the past 20 years. Yeah, I think the other composers, Megumi Ohara. Yeah, who I couldn't couldn't find any. Oh, uh, we should answer the question. The, <laughs> the end of the end of the level, there's this. It's, kind of like like a Yoshi there are a lot of platforms lately that have had this kind of a well this isn't really a platformer but it has this goal where things are kind of going in a circle yep. and uh, you have to time your and your placement and when so that you can collect whatever it is you want to collect and most of them are kind of throwaway things and probably the quote unquote best thing is this um, page of your partner Aline's diary she's the like the Rainbow Fairy or whatever that is your sidekick slash who you play as kind of. There always needs to be a fairy sidekick. Hey, listen, I'm telling you about this game. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're actually kind of playing as her, right? You're drawing the yeah. the line, which I, I guess means you're playing as Elaine, which I didn't think of until just now. Elaine? I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Anyway, there's a lot of exposition and background story that you probably don't really actually care about, but that's, <laughs> that's what you unlock um, by collecting these pages of the diary. Alrighty, next game. Yay. So we'll go on to the next song. Okay, cool.
right, so here's the hint question for this mystery game. How does the gameplay change when you enter the final portion of a race? saying about every song sounding like a Sonic team game to me <laughs> that sounds like it would be straight out of like Sonic Adventure 1 I, yeah the, the, that that electric guitar that particular yep. electric guitar and the pacing of it and I don't know it's also scary how good some of those songs are at looping yeah like, you don't uh, even notice it looped. yeah kind of um, maybe I you just kind of have to cut it off because it has to go <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So what game is this, Neil? It's not a Sonic team game. This is Pocket Card Jockey, a recent 3DS eShop release in North America. I think it came out in Japan like two years ago. Um, that it, long ago? Really? Wow. Yeah, it was after Harmonite. Yeah, it was like after Harmonite came out in America, I think. Um, and that was that was like two years ago. So, uh, But yeah, uh, Pocket Card Jockey is this really goofy game. 
by Game Freak, uh, that the Pokemon creators, or I guess the Pokemon developers, rather. Uh, but it's this weird little game by them where it mixes solitaire and horse racing. Um, and it's absolutely delightful. It's one of my favorite games of the year so far, and I've put, like, 30-plus hours into it, and I love it very much. It's not just about horse racing, right? I mean, there's also kind of a breeding aspect to it, which yeah. I'd say is more than just a horse racing simulator. I mean, I mean light. Part, part, part of horse racing simulators are sometimes breeding horses as well. Okay, but, uh, fair enough. I don't know the Japanese <laughs> horse racing genre that well. Forgive me. Uh, but yeah, so so basically how it works is uh, you, you start with a foal, and uh, you take it through... Uh, a bunch of training matches and then you kind of develop its skills and it's like you level it up and then it goes you know becomes an adult and then you take it through other races and the way the races work are that you alternate between playing like very simple solitaire rounds and then going to like this top-down control as you kind of map your horse's path through different legs of the race um and it's like, there's all sorts of systems and weird little ticks to it that uh, kind of... It, it's it's a lot to take in at first, but once you learn it, it it's... For, at least for me, it was just this very fun, almost soothing experience just going through all of these races. And even if, like, especially early on, when your horses, uh, you know, they, they grow up and you're, like, you're competing. Um, when you're competing, if you lose three races... Uh, then your horse has to retire. That happens a lot when you first play, but as you get deeper into the game, uh, you start breeding better horses and, uh, you know, lasting longer once once they go pro. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And as someone who likes Solitaire, I think it's one of the, the most unique takes on Solitaire possibly ever. Is it just uh, a traditional Solitaire at the bottom where you're uh, matching... Not necessarily matching, but like going like uh, eight and then seven and six, but like alternating suits. Is that that kind uh, yeah. of a solitaire? Yeah, I mean, mode? you can like go up and down. So like, if there's an eight that uh, that's like in the the draw pile, you could use a nine or a seven. Um, and okay. you can also like loop around. Like if you're at if you're at if you have an ace, you can use a king or two. Okay, um, so it's a little bit relaxed rules to keep it. Yeah, moving. That yeah, makes and, sense. And and like some of the skills that you get with your horse could be like. Um, you can see the next card in, in the draw pile, um, mm. or, or like you know you have a bigger draw pile. So those are other ways to kind of circumvent it. Like it's definitely if you're if you're not an experienced solitaire player, it can be pretty tough when you're first starting out because it does kind of just throw you into it a little bit. But yeah, the rules are definitely a little bit relaxed. Cool. Can you talk a little more about the breeding? Like where you do you choose the mate, or is it kind of? Random or um, I, mean, I know I hear all about like naming your horse crazy things, but yeah, you know, I, I I haven't quite grasped what it's about. I I never yeah, I know I should just play the damn game. <laughs> I never got as deep into the breeding because like you can you can basically like take two of the horses that have retired. Like you have like a you know like the farm that you can go to and see all your <laughs> retired horses, and you can put you know a male and a female one together, and then over time uh, they'll they'll produce a, a mate that then you can, or they'll, they'll produce a child that then you can you can use as a horse. 
Um, but there's also kind of like a, a story element through the game where there's different like horse owners that you interact with and there's there's quite a bit of dialogue and some of it's pretty pretty damn funny. Um, but those that's that's where you get to like the goofy horse designs like um, one that has a cat on its butt because it's like a pop star is the owner and she's like, well, I wanted to jazz him up, so I put a I put a cat on it. Um, and then, so so those kind of unlock like almost different skins for the horses uh, as you go through like kind of story aspect, and then you can work that into your breeding. And what you kind of want to do with the breeding, and I'm I'm by no means an expert at this, is basically you kind of get your best horses and you mate them, and then you get the best of both of them, because uh, there's all sorts of like minute stats for the mm-hmm. for the different horses. Like you know, um, they'll have better base stats when you when you start off. Because uh, a big part of it is you're trying to level them up by like collecting cards um, that you like pass by during the, the movement phase. It really it's okay. it's such a explaining it to someone who hasn't played it is really hard because there's just so many there's so many systems and mechanics to this game. But like it, it I think I think it does a pretty adequate job at like tutorializing. But it's it's still a lot. Okay, no, that, that's fair. I mean, that's that's how it be, I think I felt about something like going back to Star Fox Zero. When you someone describes the control scheme to you, you're like, "Holy shit! How could that ever work?" And when you play it, it's not quite as much to pre- take in. So I, it sounds like a similar. Yeah, and I can even I can speak from experience in that uh, when I got my Japanese 3DS, I downloaded the demo for this game. Um, I do not speak any Japanese. I gleefully played the crap out of that demo. I, I, I did not I do not speak the language, so I knew nothing about all these systems and mechanics. I just played solitaire and moved my horse, and it was still a pretty good time. So even if you don't learn the intricacies of like the giddy up meter and how to move your horse efficiently, like it's it can still be pretty fun. So you're telling me that. Uh... Uh, the next Zelda game, which has already been confirmed to have horses, uh, <laughs> will uh, you'll actually be controlling your horse via solitaire. I, I, that'd be pretty good. It's, you see, Link, and the, the best is that like there's even an in-game explanation for why you're playing solitaire. And like your character refers to like, oh, uh, this race is about like four games of solitaire long. <laughs> it's it's like it's such a you start off the game you get bucked off a horse and die and then you come back as and like you horse race by playing solitaire then great it's the undead is racing horses yes <laughs> so um so my hint question I came up with yes you kind of alluded to it but uh you, you the gameplay kind of changes near the end of a race yeah so when you get to like the final turn uh then you have like one more game of solitaire and then it goes uh, well, it's, it, well you have one more game of solitaire and then like movement and then it goes to a side scrolling view where you have direct control over your horse you use like uh buttons on the on the touch screen um which i I mean, it's all it's all touchscreen based, so it kind of makes sense why they have that. Although I wish I could just optionally like use the D-pad, um, but you're kind of maneuvering your horse in a side-scrolling perspective to get past all the other horses and use like boosts and stuff to, to get to the finish first. It's it's a nice little it's like a a, a nice nice change to 
the, the solitaire movement flow uh, at the end of each race, and sometimes you can you can play a very good round up to that point and then screw that up, or like get stuck behind a horse and try to maneuver around them and not be able to do it, or you can play a bunch of crappy solitaire games and then maneuver pretty well in that final stretch and, and make mm-hmm. up for it. Cool. Alright. We're going on to a request. So this is a request by Auntie Viklund. does not sound like Sonic Team. Yeah, yeah, we finally moved past Sonic Team. That's very good. Here's your hint question. Strangely enough, 
the developer backported a level from this game to what format? It's, it's This is one of those games where it's on the tip of my tongue, but I, I'm not confident. But maybe the last song will help? Time's up. What game do you think this is now? I, I feel like it's a Castlevania game, but I don't know which one. Oh, man. No. No. I'm... No, no, no. This is Gunman Clive for the 3DS. Wow. Yeah, it's been a long time since yeah. I thought about this game. Okay, that's why the music sounded familiar. Yeah. This is a <laughs> fairly early eShop game for the 3DS. Um, yeah, I think it was... Early 2013, something like that. Oh, that was earlier than that. But I guess the eShop didn't really exist at the very beginning of the 3DS's yeah. life. So, um, yeah. So I think I played this all in like one sitting on a plane. So it's quite a blurry game for me. But it, people likened it a little bit to Mega Man, I guess. It, it, I guess it kind of has that kind of a pacing to it. There's a lot of kind of duck and cover shooting, um, if I recall correctly. Um, very unique aesthetic, right? This, yeah. this game had, uh, you know, kind of looked like a wanted poster the whole way through with kind of sketched, um, scribble animation. Um, I don't know, really neat. It was it was really cheap for the time, and it was you know short but kind of good value for your money. I remember like after you beat it, you can play as like the bird or something. Uh, like, the, yeah, the duck. The duck. Okay, yeah. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I should have revisited this game <laughs> to refresh my memory on this, but I, it's a good game. <laughs> I didn't play the sequel, though. Did you ever check out that sequel? Um, I, I reviewed it, actually, for, for this year at NintendoWorldReport.com, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's even better than the first one. It has a lot of... It's, it's like, uh, more... I think it's more varied. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Okay. Well, uh... 
doing research for the question, I I didn't remember this at the time, but do you recall what kind of it was almost like a kind of a promotional stunt? But do you remember uh, the announcement I'm referring to here, or the release, where they backported a level? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, it's on Game Boy, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess all versions of Game Boy. So they released a ROM that that contains basically the first level from the game. And it can play on an emulator for Game Boy or Game Boy Color, uh, which kind of neat. I'm, I'm not. I guess he did just because he could. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a weird thing to do, but uh, yeah. I mean, neat. it's uh, it's it's one dude. Um, yeah. Bertolt Forberg. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but yeah, it's one guy who made both of the games, and I think he just screwed around with uh, backporting it to Game Boy. I think he also did the same. I think he took that Game Boy version and then. Like made upported it to the Super Nintendo as well, but I don't I don't think that looked as good. I think it was also just a wonder. Like, oh, I wonder how easily I can do this. Yeah. So I'm sorry I don't have more to say about this game. It really is a short game, and it's been yeah. a long time. But I did enjoy it, and it was like I don't know two or three bucks when it first came out. So I mean, come on. <laughs> Moving on, the next request is from Roy Koopa 64 Eric from Garland, Texas. That is the first song from this game. I, I, I don't, I don't know what to say, guys. Come on, bear with me. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not yes, sure it, what it, it is right it now. It sure is the first song. It is a game, I think. Yeah, it's a game I've never played. <laughs> Thank you. 
Neil, here is your hint question. I'm going to need it. The hero sets off on his adventure looking for whom? That, that doesn't help me. It doesn't really help much. No, it was a bad <laughs> hint question. Too bad. That's the hint question I was able to come up with. <laughs> Yeah, the music sounds fun. Yeah, this is a game I, uh, I guess I kind of passed over. I, I never played it before. This is Disney's Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. Uh, you know what? I own that game. <laughs> you do? Oh, well, you didn't uh, get the game. I, I remember when they were re-releasing this on Game Boy Advance. It was a huge deal. Um... You know, well, that was early in the GBA's life, relatively speaking. And, and there, there was that GameCube game. Um, oh, uh, don't mention that one. Man. Oh, is it, is it really bad? Because that's actually um, one of the next episodes of Cube Fight. Because uh, that was. I, tech- I think it is. It's like a a really bad point and click game or something, isn't it? Oh God, damn it! <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the Cube Fight episode with that is going to be uh, that versus Super Mario Sunshine. So I'm, what? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe there's another Mickey Mouse game that was also released that I'm not thinking of right now. Yeah, well, there, For... there's uh, Miyamoto was a producer on a on a Magical Quest uh, GameCube game. Oh, but that's I don't not remember this that. one. This is okay. the Super Nintendo game, I would assume. This is the Super Nintendo game. Yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse came out for Super Nintendo and uh, the Genesis or Mega Drive. Yeah. Um. It, it seems like a game they should have released on Virtual Console by now. I know, you know, the Disney license may be an extra tax, but I mean, they, 
if Star Wars is out there and some other stuff, just I, I'm surprised this one hasn't come out. It seems like there's enough of a interest in this one. It's uh, it's a platformer, um, but it, if I understand correctly, you, you kind of have different clothes yes. you get throughout the game, so it kind of modifies the gameplay. So, yeah. like at one point, you, you know, you get a wizard hat or something, and you can shoot magic versus... When you start off, you're grabbing things and like spin tossing them. So it, it's a platformer, but it kind of like a Kirby game. There are different modes of play uh, as you progress through it. Um, so I mean, it seems neat to me. Um, I just I never pulled me enough to, to buy it at full retail or whatever. Like you bought on GBA. So yeah, I, um, I don't have I, that nostalgia factor, you know. Um, I yeah, I didn't own it like when it when it came out on Super Nintendo. Uh, I went through. I don't know why this happened, or it might have been around like when Epic Mickey came out. I kind of went on a on a binge of uh, getting all the licensed Disney games on like Super Nintendo and Genesis, um, and this was one of the ones that I got. I got the, the Super Nintendo version of Magic Quest, and you know messed around with it. Um, you know played in the firefighter uniform and and had had some fun with it, but it's not terribly memorable um, for playing it a couple years ago. Definitely, like I, I like I, I like Castle of Illusion stood out way more than this one did. That's for sure. Yeah, but this was a Capcom game, right? There were like three of them. Or yeah, something. yeah. There was also well, the, yeah. I mean, even extending to the NES ones, um, Capcom, Capcom made a lot of Mickey games. Yep, Mickey Mouse Capades, which I played as a kid. Well, it, that's a hard game and not that great. But I didn't know better back then. Yeah. Uh, bad news, Neil. I, I think uh, if you're playing Disney's Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse, uh, yeah, have fun with that. Okay. All right. Is it is it that bad? I I think so. I know. I know. It's a point and click game. It Great. the game uses a simple point and click mechanic, which uh, involves using the cursor to guide Mickey Mouse to various locations. Did, did you did you write a review of it? No, I just remember seeing. I mean, I was there when they were showing it off and stuff, right? Yeah. You know, it was on the show floor back in 2002 or whenever it was. On yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it came out summer of 02, I think. <sighs> yeah. Who did read that? Because David Trammell. Um, mm. That might actually out of out of the first party Nintendo GameCube games. It's it's kind of this is a complete tangent, but it's stunning how well received all of those early Nintendo published games were on GameCube. Um, like I think the low, like I think someone gave Pikmin an eight, and other than that, everything's like nine or above. And granted, that was that was early Planet GameCube days when we were more nakedly a bunch of optimistic Nintendo fanboys than we are now. <laughs> but but still, I mean, like it's it's not like looking back, you're like, oh, like Smash Brothers wasn't that good. Like no, no, all those games are still very good. Although now. Now, uh, the, ne- the next episode, I'm actually playing through NBA Courtside in Eternal Darkness right now. Um, and NBA Courtside isn't that much that much fun. Um, it's a it's a super dated basketball game. Mm. Well, I mean, Eternal Darkness is pretty dated, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it has some, certainly some merits. Um, we are really going off the rails here. Disney's Magical <laughs> Quest starring Mickey Mouse, a Capcom game. Yay! What's, so, what's the hint question answer? So the hint question was about... Uh, you know, the hero Mickey sits off on his venture looking for whom, and that's Pluto. He's looking for Pluto, uh, who's run off, run away, chasing a ball or something. 
and I guess <laughs> on chasing Pluto, cool. Mickey somehow falls into an alternate universe or something. Because hey, it's a, yeah. <laughs> doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just just make it a fun platformer. Who cares? Yep. Maybe he fell down and hit his head, and he's like dreaming. Maybe know. it's just Blaster Master. Maybe that's just the plot. He chases his frog. Sweet. We got one last game here for you. I'm excited.
It's a pretty song. Yeah. Well, I like it. This game has good music. I think that's why you selected it. Yeah, no, um, that's one of the things that I might might like the most about this game. Not not saying that it's bad, but just the music is superb. song i feel like strolling down the sidewalk right now i I really do just very pleasantly with a ginger step yep 
Uh, so we got a hint question for this one, and that's uh, what type of in-game food is needed to use the learning skill? tried to avoid the very heavy metal or I, I don't know the I'm terrible genre some sort of metal that yeah no, lot, is in a lot of this game a lot of the battle music is like that yeah um, you know this game well I guess we should reveal the, the game first it is bravely second and layer yeah so this is the sequel to bravely default and I'm kind of mad at the soundtrack of this game it's mostly because of radio trivia prep so, I spent like an hour choosing songs for this game, and then I th heard the third song again, I'm like, you know, this sounds familiar, and yet I haven't played this game before. They used it in default, didn't they? <sighs> yeah, a lot of this soundtrack is recycled music from the first game. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot no, of it, a lot of it, from what I can tell. And, and, it's, and it's really good music, so it's kind of like, it's one of those things where like, it's kind of annoying, but at the same time, you're like, well, I mean, it's not like you're like, oh, the music was terrible in the first game and then we used it. No, it was, it was fantastic. Right, but as someone who hasn't played either of these games, trying to figure out which game, like, which songs had been used <laughs> and, or which yeah. songs were... And I didn't want to choose too many songs that were, you know, from the first game, and so I'm, like, listening yep. to that soundtrack and this soundtrack, and I'm just going insane trying to choose songs <laughs> at this point. I spent probably two and a half hours on this one game choosing songs. I hope I chose good songs. I, I, uh, mean, I mean, there are other great songs, but they're in the original game, so some of those will maybe be in the background. But my God, ah, what a nightmare from a yeah. That, I mean, that second song was a was a great pick, like very very chill song, but one that definitely stuck with me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, the second game. I, Tell me, you seemed a little hesitant to praise this game. You know, well, is there something about this as a sequel that uh, you're a little disappointed in? I mean, I, I actually think the sequel is way better than the first game, but I think that there's also there's also a part in that, like, Bravely Default was kind of cool because of how fresh it felt, mm -hmm. and, and this is kind of more of the same, just, like, with a, a better user interface. Like, as long as you're okay with 
being dropped in the almost in the middle of a story that, that I mean is kind of ridiculous. Uh, if you were to ever play these games, I would start with Bravely Second because, like Bravely Default, I think is was was a breath of fresh air because it was a very good use of a job system. It was a classic throwback RPG. Um, like the the character classes were all very fun. The combat was really kind of interesting and unique. Uh, but there were still some things where, like, it's almost like when they made the first game, they didn't know what people would gravitate towards. Uh, and then in the second game, they had the experience of people playing the first game and getting feedback from that, so they kind of made it so it's like, it feels like a very optimized version, where, like, things that, when I played the first game, I would have to, like, go two or three menus deep are now, like, I just, like, hit the R button and, like, a menu comes up and I can just access it there, as opposed to having to, like, go into the options and then flicking a switch there um and that stuff's great and like they made the battle system a little snappier uh i mean there's um like more depth to the setting up like an auto battle um where you can like set specific attacks and have like different like kind of preset attacks to go depending on like whatever random uh enemies you run into and also if you're like looking to grind if you beat enemies in the first turn, which is very possible in this game because of the whole bravely default mechanic, then you can fight another random enemy and get an experience boost. And you can go, you can go with that as long as you can beat the enemies on the first turn. So, like hmm. you know, at different parts That's of the game, like chaining I'd, kills. Yeah, I'd be going like four or five deep and trying to strategize of like, okay, how can I maximize the experience gain here? Uh, by, like, you know, carefully using the Bravely default, so that way I'd always have a guy to kind of use a lot of attacks um, on whatever enemy showed up, because for, for people who don't know, uh, Bravely default actually refers to a mechanic in the game uh, where you have the option of braving, which is where you use, like, an, an extra attack, so instead of attacking once, you could attack twice. Uh, you can do that up to four times. Uh, or you could default, which is a defense, but then that kind of builds, uh, like that builds up an attack later. Because if you brave and you haven't defaulted at all, then you have to wait three turns before you can attack again, because it needs to it needs to recharge. It's like saving your vacation hours or, or going over <laughs> into the uh, you know into dead of your vacation hours. That's a, a very apt comparison. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I'm surprised I went there. That's just that's what jumped into my head. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I I I enjoyed a lot of parts of Bravely Default, but I felt like it moved too slow. There's also a, a widely criticized late game part of Bravely Default that I'll, I'll kind of avoid talking specifically about, um, where there's a lot of repetition that people didn't like. Uh, Bravely Second kind of just fixes all of that. It's still a very slow pace as far as the story goes, but because of those those user interface changes, because of that the quickness of the battles because of the the lack of as much ridiculous repetition in the second half of the game um it's it's a much better game than the first one but the the only reason why i kind of when we talked about it before the show why i kind of like hemmed and hawed on it is that i played through this game like four months ago and i was having a hard time remembering specifics about it which maybe that maybe that's more me than the game but it, it just, like, it, it wasn't as memorable. Like, it took me a while to kind of be like, oh, yeah, that was the story of Bravely Second. Like, it didn't it didn't stand out to me as much. But it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a really fun game if you're looking for a Japanese RPG. I mean, I know that in 2016 on the 3DS, there's no shortage of them. 
but Bravely Second's a very good game. Cool. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Oh, the, the hint question. Yes, uh, Neil, uh, please do. Uh, tell us about this uh, uh, in-game food. Uh, so the, the question, if you, if you forgot already, what type of in-game food is needed to use the learning skill? Uh, that's cat food, um, because there's, there's a class in this game called the Catmancer, uh, where you can use Catmancy to learn different uh, attacks and abilities from enemies, and then you need to use cat food to, to, uh, to use those abilities. Uh, there's also nice. like a pastry chef class. Um, and then, like, your typical, like, mages and stuff like that. But they they do kind of a good job of, like, making the classes a little more than the generic classes that were in the first one. Which, all of those are accessible as well for side quests. But I, I like... I, I I think the class system in this game is, is very, very good. Alright, well, we should wrap things up here. I know you already plugged uh, your cube fight and your Patreon. Uh, please do support us on Patreon? Yeah, it's, it's patrons I, I, on you're, you're Patreon. You're patrons on Patreon, and I, yeah. I don't know why that's so difficult. For me I always, I always see people like online, like talking, talking about like their own Patreons, where like they'll, they'll, they'll refer to their patrons as Patreons. Um, it's just like a very because it's just one letter, and then it's like almost a completely different meaning. Like I understand, I understand why it's used, but it's also very confusing. But yeah, Poor be, become a patron on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash NWR. Um, that's probably if, if you've seen me be less prolific in writing uh, writing stuff on the website, it's because I'm doing a lot more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff on the Patreon and also doing stuff exclusively for them. Uh, there's actually, I guess I guess my, my, my final plug will be... Uh, I, I, uh, I guess like two years ago at this point, uh, John Raritan and I worked together to do this video series uh, called Know Your Developers that um, we went over all the then current EAD groups and now that EAD doesn't exist anymore, that's kind of doesn't work anymore. Uh, but uh, getting together to like research those videos and put them together is, is really difficult and John and I have been trying to do it for a while. Um, we're still not doing it yet, but what I've kind of decided to do is I've been trying to get in the habit of once a week putting together a Know Your Developer article on a specific Nintendo developer or like a couple developers. So right now if you were to go to NintendoWorldReport.com uh, I have already posted the Takashi and Tezuka Know Your Developer mm-hmm. article that goes over his his history. Um, coming uh, by the time you hear this unless unless TYP edits it edits very quickly um, I did some research into three key developers that worked on the Rhythm Heaven series, and uh, there's also one on... Oh god, I'm blanking on his name. It's the... I feel really dumb because I was, like, working on this earlier today. Um, The dude who produces a lot of uh, Japanese third-party games for Nintendo. Which, uh, it'll be a mystery. <laughs> Look forward to that. Yeah, uh, but but um, and if you're if you're a part of the Patreon, uh, if you're two dollars or higher, you can read all these articles early. Um, and if not, then they're gonna basically come out every Monday, um, as long as I can keep it up, which I think I, I think I can. It's just that some might be bigger than others. I might might start picking some some developers with less of a background because like that Tezuka one took a very long time. That dude has made a lot of games. 
got Hitoshi Yamagami. That's, uh, he, he I, guess, I guess, like, he, uh, he came in, he was working at R&D 1, and then he eventually started, like, directing games that, like, Tosei and Treasure made. And then when they restructured to the EAD groups, he joined SPD, which worked with Japanese third parties and produced games. Like, he works with Intelligent Systems on Fire Emblem. He works with Game Freak and Creatures, Inc. on Pokemon games. He works with Monolith Soft on Xenoblade. Uh, Those are third party. Well, actually, technically, they kind of are. Game, Game Freak made a game? Game Freak kind of is. Yeah. And like yeah, Pre- Game, Game Freak is, but... Yeah. Intelligent Systems, I think, I think, I think Nintendo owns a sizable chunk in Intelligent Systems, and and also, and also, there's a little bit of like weirdness with Monolith Soft because when he first started working with them, they weren't owned by Nintendo. Now they are. Right. Right. Um, yep. And and then like also like Platinum Games on the Wonderful 101. Um, he worked on Devil's Third as a producer. Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like. Uh, I know. I feel like like Kensuke Tanabe is a little more well known. Um, he's kind of like the Western version of Yamagami, mm-hmm. um, where he you know works with Next Level, works with Retro, or he might not be working with Retro anymore if you believe rumors. Um, but this is kind of like he's like Yamagami is kind of the, I guess the Eastern Tanabe. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so you can check all that out again if you're a patron you can see it early but we will publish most of the stuff that the patrons see eventually uh, on the website so um, I think right there are a few things that are totally exclusive right but, yeah but uh, but yeah check out the website nintendoworldreport.com thank you Neil for recording with me this lovely evening always a pleasure I'm sorry, guys, this uh, comes out so regularly. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed the episode, and uh, and there was a weird variety of stuff in here. So, um, <laughs> yeah, next time, whenever that is, uh, bye. Bye. Kirby and the Rainbow Curse is copyright 2015 Al Laboratory Nintendo. Pocket Card Jockey is copyright 2016 Game Freak. Gunman Clive is copyright 2013 Myrtle Horberg. Disney's Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse is copyright 1992 Disney Capcom. Bravely Second End Layer is copyright 2016 Square Enix. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Dual Destinies is copyright 2013 Capcom.
よと決めたなら今宵はお前と最後まで波止場で叫ぶバカ野郎悲しかもめは泣いていた「それが海に生きる男の」